From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also joining us are Justin. Hi, I'm here. Is loud? <laughs> no, we're good. It, it went from zero to 60 in like a second. We're good now. Okay. I mean, it shouldn't have changed. That's weird. Uh... There's some of the connections on the headphones oh, are kind of okay. janky but sometimes. So. No, we're going to turn you down just a second so you don't get your ear blown, yeah. uh, ears blown out there. Uh, and then Anthony is joining us as well. Hello. All right. Um, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support home brewing and home brewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops, select tap rooms, as well as, as, well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the fur link above our homepage and join today. Also, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hop and Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. If, you, if you'd like to become a patron, head over to Patreon.com com slash studios and become a patron today or click on the patron link at the our homepage at blindestudios.com and while you're at blindestudios.com go ahead and click on that store link or head over to teespring.com slash stores slash studios and buy some of our really nifty merch you can get sweatpants you sure can mugs glassware all sorts of things I don't know if we have any glassware up. We should probably get glassware. Oh, not yet. Right. No, just, chop, chop. Man. No, no, I'm, Justin, you're right. Teespring we, we is amazing. You we can should do anything. Definitely. You know, speaking of our patrons, what we've got, uh, Devin Stinson is going to be coming up to uh, Minnesota. Uh, I mean, I was going to, I was going to like hold off to, until we saw how the black belt experience went before we <laughs> advertised that. But really? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> And then actually Brian Bryanson, who that's not actually his real name, but uh, he will be taking a road trip. Uh, that's not Smith. On, yeah, yeah. On the IG, he will be taking a road trip through town at some point over the summer too. Yeah, yeah. And he's supposed to hit us up so we can. He will. And those gentlemen will both be uh, sitting here in the studio. Get them uh, good and liquored up. Damn yeah. Before Orlando takes advantage of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're right over there, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm just full of dog slobber, but that's my own fault for right. being friendly. Um, yeah, so uh, today we're going to be continuing our journeys through uh, Blam, or Brew Like a Monk. Um, and we're going to be talking about Belgian-style uh, ales in America. But before we do that, uh, Brian, what have you been up to beer-related? Anything uh, exciting? We released... Uh, our fifth triple, uh, which is a, a at a hop and barrel, the eleven. Oh, it's probably closer to eleven percent triple IPA. It's got a little bit more of a grapefruit feel, uh, t- uh, flavor to it, and and aroma. This time around, usually has a little bit more pineapple, but I fully believe. So was was the fifth triple the one that started as a like it's it's like a like a Belgian style triple IPA or no. no. This okay. is the one that was a brew like a girl before. Yeah, this okay. Well, like yeah, and, and like Katie took uh, Belgian influences from it for it, didn't she? I think you're thinking the um, episode three. Okay, maybe. I don't know. That I was thought, yeah, prior I, to Katie, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I thought we had talked about or no, like, or like that's it? where that's where oh the trip God. like because it's spelled triple like. No, it it isn't. It has more to do with being high. And uh, okay. I'm, I'm holding up a can for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It, all right. It, I'm sorry. It, it's a very dank beer, so it was more yeah. of a trip, like a fifth wheel. 
yeah. reference, and it just happens to be Trip-L, but this is Triple, and yeah. 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 So the Trip was kind of the focus. That's why it's all capitalized. And there's, like, the that label's tie-dyed and has a, <laughs> a VW There's been bus. a lot of conversations about beer while having beer. Yeah. I'm sorry. I get the Trip-L tie-in, but yeah. it, it is not influenced by that mm-hmm. in any way, which is okay. a good tie-in for the conversation. Today. Well, that's, I, that's what I was trying to do, but thank you for shutting me down. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so fifth triple is released. That's great. The The point I was going to try to make is that we make this triple IPA with 100% Michigan Chinook from the Michigan Hop Alliance. Mm-hmm. And I would say the last couple times that it was made, it was more pineapple. It's versing more grapefruit. And a fun thing to think about is... Yeah, it came from that same place in Michigan, but maybe it was a different row that had a little more grapefruit to it. Maybe it was higher up in the in the uh, on the vine. We don't know, and that's a cool thing. I mean, you know, down the line we can probably kind of get more a little choosier and select which rows and which and go rub hops and all that. I think we're kind of getting to that point, but uh, it just seems like a lot of work too. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have enough going on. No, we don't. Yeah, I definitely know. <laughs> But uh, other than that, uh, the Scaredy Pie uh, Key Lime Sour has been released or will be released in the next uh, week here. And we're very, again, very proud of that. So had some newer brewers. Um, now uh, Nathan and Ashley are relatively new in the game. And another thing I would announce is that Katie will be leaving us. Uh, she's moving to Raleigh, North Carolina to be with her hot girlfriend. And that would explain, hopefully, maybe we said something about this. But that'd be why we, she we, hasn't oh, been around. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm hoping uh, to get her back for like one final show before yeah. she heads out. I'll, to, I'll, uh, I'll talk to her. Yeah. And to see get, what we can to do, do like, a, like almost like Farewell. a goodbye to you guys. Mm-hmm. And Yep. So we're, we're going through the interview process and that. And so yeah, if you guys are uh, local uh, and would like to <laughs> throw your hat into that ring, uh, we're hiring a brewer. So yeah. Moving on. What do you All got? Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, for me, I I made the uh, the run up to Menominee last night with a for group pizza. Of people. Well, for pizza. <laughs> well, so we we hit Lucette and uh, Nonick Brewing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really like Nonick because Same. they are one of the only uh, breweries around that is doing traditional cask style English ales, um, and they have two beer engines. Is Mike uh, at pitch for? Is he not so much or? Uh, not so much. He focuses more on the German side now. He just. Uh, he didn't have time. Yep. We went to drive a keg up there the other day, and he was balls to the wall. He was making yep. a bunch of pizzas. Well, they and they the so Pitchfork I will say has a beer engine now. Okay. Uh, to to drive their casks. Got it. Um, but they're they're doing things like the brown ale and stuff like that. They're not necessarily doing uh, milds and bitters, which right, or like a random rotator or any yeah, of that. Yeah. Yeah. That so Nonic is doing strictly English style beers on their beer engines. Um, As in, it should be in the Nonic style pints hmm. um in in awesome. true like and they have the true pint volume you know 20 ounces into the 16 ounce bullshit i uh, yeah I, <laughs> if, if anyone from nonic out there is listening i need you to understand that at least two of us out of the four in the, in the room and probably three out of four really appreciate that kind of uh you know well, I just it's it's I I don't know it it World makes me four? feel like I'm back uh, in England sitting at a pub exactly so yeah um, yeah so that was that was a lot of fun and just it it makes me excited about beer like doing Same. that kind of stuff yes it's, having it's having those those things that I 
deemed to be incredibly traditional gives gives me great pleasure. And I think that's another reason why we we kind of are running through this blam, uh, like a monk book too. So. Yeah, it, it really brings tradition kind of back into it, especially after going through like the Scott Janish book where mm. we're talking about the cutting edge of brewing science. Now we're taking a step back and looking at more traditional stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, is there anything that you've been up to um, – that you that you'd like to throw out there, or nothing that wouldn't be redundant with Brian. Really. Okay, well, yeah. that's I, I figured I'd open it. Up. No, no, a few things with the uh, the Spring Valley project worth mentioning, but um, we'll talk about those in our show. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So check out uh, Hop and Barrel Happy Hour on uh, what this uh, every other Monday, right? Yep. There you go. Usually, <laughs> Usually. yeah. <laughs> except except for June. Yeah, <laughs> and we can May. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's let's dive into uh, this week's uh, Blam discussion. So we're talking about Belgian style ales in America, um, and the book really focuses on a select few breweries: um, Omegong, Allagash, and in an inordinate amount of time uh, with Russian River, uh, and also New Belgium. Um, and so, was New Belgium or Allagash first? I'm trying to remember now. Wow, I I, oh, I think my knee jerk is Allagash was. I was going to say, but Belgium, yeah, if, but if you want to look that up, that's <laughs> fine. Look but it up right now, um, you know, it's uh, Jeff Labesh and Kim Jordan who uh, started New Belgium in '91. Um, they took uh, samples of Abbey and Fat Tire Amber to a festival in Colorado, uh, gave them away, and you know the response was underwhelming at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which so we're we're talking uh, so ninety one now mm-hmm. is thirty years ago, yeah. uh, which is an an eternity in American craft beer. Oh, New Belgium by six years. Oh okay. wow! Okay. Oh wow! Got it. So uh, I guess yeah. So New Belgium is is probably the first quote unquote Belgian brewery in the U.S. or Belgian style brewery. I mean, in context of the book, that's definitely the way it was pitched at the time with mm-hmm. Stan's writing of this was an insane idea. Who should do it? And even their first test beers, as we talked about, couldn't even be given away. Yeah, which is is insane to think about. And so then what ended up being their – this is a little bit tangential, but what ended up being their flagship was a brown ale. It still was, but now they sell – 35% more Belgian beer than mm-hmm. all Belgian breweries combined. Because nobody's making it. But still, it's pretty crazy. It is. It's insane. Three, um, yeah, 331,000. So I guess that's, that's, so that's, that's where we're going to start here. We're going to start like with the birth of Belgian beer uh, in America. I feel like there was a heyday um, in the, I mean, I, I would say like the late 2000s to the mid 2010s would be the heyday of Belgians in America. Um, I think New Belgium sales of which brands? I, I mean, at that point, you could find two, both Le Terroir and La Folie, you could mm-hmm. find readily available across half the country. Now, yep. neither of those are available outside of their tap room. And for now, for now, no, I'm, I'm not now. saying and but everything's cyclical. I'm just saying it tracks with what you're saying. Like, I think that represents the heyday when they were able to distribute that on a national level to true mixed fermentation, sour beers at that consistent level. That was insane. Well, oh, yeah, the, the 90s are, are 
are roaring back like that. This is everyone it thinks the 90s were the greatest decade all of a sudden now. And what it was the 60s? Before. I mean, so, to be fair, we had Pogs and Dunkaroos. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we just see some Dunkaroos somewhere and there was no kangaroo? Yeah, uh, we had this. Yeah, the, uh, yeah we did. did you guys have the Dunkaroo beer from Central Waters? No, thanks. Oh, no, didn't know that was a thing. But yeah, Dunkaroos are back. I got a can you can have. It's pretty good. Nah, no, thank you. All right. It tastes exactly like Dunkaroos. It's pretty, like, it's, it's very nostalgic. <laughs> was was but, it, like, but, thick like Dunkaroos? Uh, like, it had a thick mouthfeel. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but thank to you, get, Anthony. To, uh, to, to tie it back to the beer, I, I, what I took away from that section I thought was pretty interesting was part of his motivation for this was a combating against the trend in sweetness in craft beer. And this was early 90s. This is before craft beer really existed outside of Sierra Nevada and a few other random places. But amongst homebrewers, he saw this level of sweetness starting to get into what people were doing, and that's why he wanted to do Belgian beers. Well, and you guys are, uh, like, still seeing that that sweetness trend uh, in, like, um, in our area specifically, because, as you said earlier today, Wisconsin has a sweet tooth. North Northwestern Wisconsin is mega sweet tooth. Yeah. And, and and that's proven by going to southeastern Minnesota where they <laughs> enlightened us to that fact a few years ago. <laughs> but it I don't know, I think the the whole Belgium like you were saying in the mid 2000s there was a trend that I think has kind of blown up and Maybe we're not looking at the whole picture here, but right now you can find a kettle sour at almost every brewery because they've, they're trying to find a way to latch on to what these guys were doing on a much more complex, much more figured out scale. And yeah, kettle souring is a much simpler way to do, but there's definitely a tip of the hat and homage to the trends and barriers these guys broke down doing this style of beer. Truly. And, and a, th- a thing I want to mention, because this is a homebrew show, uh, is... You know, if you are trying to do though these sours, uh, non-kettle sours like uh, uh, like the spontaneous fermentation, if you've got like a wood barrel, uh, some, something like that, you're trying to pull in, I would absolutely you know, and, th- and this is kind of a cool thing is that you can take your equipment that is getting old, er, and maybe has a few like like nooks and crannies and cracks and you know spots that molecularly speaking, your cleaning supplies can't you know get to to clean. This would be an awesome opportunity not to throw this kind of thing away, but to keep it for like some sour gear because you really need to keep that separate. And the reason why the majority of breweries only sort of go that kettle sour route is because of infecting the entire brewery with some wild well, and yeast and bacteria. So it's, it's interesting to me that we're having this discussion on Belgians and you guys both immediately went to sour. That that says something kind of kind. Well, no, I mean it's it's not. I was going to consciously keep away, but it, it's hard not to tie it in, especially it in the, there's you know there's nothing in this well, book that addresses you, it. When but. you look at um, like beers like lambic, and uh, you have like Creek and all these other things where sour is such a part of like that Belgian beer heritage. Yes, but this yeah. this is an area where homebrewers more than any other style of beer can do a better job than most professional brewers. Yes, they have, absolutely. They have the capability, they have the knowledge and the equipment, but they don't have the risk of the commercial infection or well, problems. And more well, importantly, they have the time. Well, well, then let's also kind of talk about temp control and free rise and things like that. You know, I mean, if you don't have temp control, well, I mean, and you want to make a beer that tastes decent, well, make a Belgian. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, you can you can do send, something where the yeast can you, you can go yeah, and have you can fun. send the the Belgian yeast on a roller coaster ride. It's fine. And frankly, you know, from my experience, if you're really looking on a molecular level, again, the Belgian yeasts are a lot more similar uh, to wine yeast than. Uh, beer yeast. Well, and you even look at uh, some of the traditional breweries or traditional Belgian breweries that we've looked at in previous chapters where they start low, raise mm-hmm. high, hold, bring back yep, low, bring, bring back high. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. It's insane. It's, you know, but like as a home brewer, you have a lot more freedom to do that. These are as close to this, these Belgian yeasts are as close to wild as you're going to get without being wild. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll say I, in, in my life, I've had more often better than not better Belgian or sours from home brewers than from most professional breweries, yeah. which to tie back to New Belgium, I think that's what made them so special. Being able to do what they did on a repetitive scale was insane. And in a little bit Russian River, they're smaller, and you know Vinny is not yeah. human. Uh, he was literally whoa. like raised to be what yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's a robot. Yes. He's a yeah. beer making robot. No, but I mean, you know, he, talking about Vinny Chalurzo, of course, of, of Russian, of Russian River. River. Yeah. Also, very good pizza. I have a really fun story about uh, how they give their flights out, but we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> Didn't mean to jump ahead. Sorry. Oh no, 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 it's fine. It's <laughs> I fine. don't get the show notes for anyone. So well, no, it's, they're, they're really uh, aren't. Ru- ru- Russian rivers at the end on of the, the for chapter. this one. They really aren't. Um, yeah. So all right. So uh, we we start with New Belgium. Then uh, we get to what I consider probably the biggest quote unquote Belgian brewery in the U.S. At least like as far as name recognition goes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Like they they are they are Belgian owned. Based out of New York, they only make Belgian beers. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just thinking because yeah. I'm pretty sure New Belgium hasn't beat on volume, even of volume of Belgian and sour beers. But. It, I mean, yeah, they might. I don't know. But yeah, name recognition, totally. Name recognition-wise, like, well, and it also helped, like, they they got, like, the Game of Thrones contract, and that threw them way into the forefront. Well, and their development with, again, not to, to beat the American Wild Ales, but their development with Cool Ship, um, I don't say technology, it's a Cool Ship, but, but you know, using Cool Ships, <laughs> I, you know, I'm sorry, not to knock it, but well, I mean, it's technology. No, I was going to say technology, I'm like, well, it's not like they have robots doing it, but I yeah. mean, their use of Cool Ships on a massive scale is astounding. If cool you Ship, that, and that's, a, that's just a fun word, that Cool Ship is just for the uninitiated, it's just an, a, like an open fermenter. It's a stainless steel bathtub that you put beer in. Uh, it's more Wirt. like a wooden bathtub on the roof of their brewery. It works. <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. for speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> we should have him here for everything. If he understands it, we're doing well. Then we're doing okay. <laughs> he can have like a thumbs up and thumbs down. <laughs> no, uh, so Omegong is like so. Omegong is a like a, that's one of those breweries that I I really want to visit someday because yeah, it's it's a straight up tour like tourist attraction. It's this massive brewery in the middle of a hop farm. Oh yeah, it was built on an old hop farm. Yep, um, one hundred thirty six acres. Yeah. Yeah, and like it looks like an old Belgian brewery, which is awesome, especially for somebody pushing out that kind of beer in America. Um, but like, so we have we have another American brewery bringing their own twist to Belgian style ale, and we're gonna keep hitting this Belgian style uh, term very like a lot. We did have a conversation about this a few episodes ago about whether you say German style, Belgian style. And I, I'm yes. Yes. Because if you say Belgian, I think immediately 
I think. Well, what region of Belgium is this from? Yes. And I want to know because for being such a small country, you know, relatively speaking, there's an incredible amount of like history and variety in the, in the styles. Yeah. Um, so we go from Omegong to Allagash, and I want to hit Allagash because we have an Allagash beer. We are drinking this. The Allagash triple right now. Yeah, so we can actually talk about this beer. Um, I believe is the triple one that they have a. They do. They have uh, um, Bishop's uh, Tipple Triple, which is the Allagash one, so we can talk about that um, in the book. They have a recipe, so we can chat about the recipe. Um, yeah, so this is from Allagash Brewing in Portland, Maine. Not the other Portland, the better Portland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Portland, Oregon's better. It just is. Um, it has better food and beer, uh, except for Allagash. They just, they're not there. But Cascade Brewing's there, and they're so good. So we're, we're not drinking Tipple Triple. We're drinking... Uh, the Allagash Triple. Okay. Got is it. that not the same? Did, I, did I misread? Yeah. Okay, well, I just didn't see bishops on that bottle, but... Oh. Yeah, give me some of that. Casey's pouring out more beer, but I think... The, end, wow, what, uh, the bishop, what they have in here uh, is a beer that is a 1090 original gravity beer or 21.7 degree Play-Doh, if you dig that. So ends up being 9%, apparent degree of attenuation 78%, IBU 48, which is astronomical for... Uh, a Belgian, I think. You know, once you start yeah. getting to fifty, that's pretty high. Uh, malts, they are claiming that it is just pale and carapils, which, you know, I from mean, a looking at clarity it, I, standpoint I could and looking at it on, on the on the on the light here, yeah, agreed. Uh, we're talking White Labs WLP five hundred, which I feel like is one of the best, most durable, and probably your your best option for anything across the board. They do make higher gravity yeasts that are more specific Belgian, to, like your high gravity anything above nine percent and when we talk about that we're talking about uh your alcohol will starts getting so high that it's killing the yeast which will you know mess up your fermentation um but we're talking about yeast being pitched in at 70 degrees or 21 c uh reducing to 62 to kind of calm it down so at a higher temperature casey what are, what are we getting more banana or more clove uh, oh man, there's a test. Oh no, uh, high, higher temperature, more banana. More banana. So then when we reduce it to 62, we're going to probably pull a little more clove to complement that. Ferment at one week, or sorry, secondary one week, 33 uh, degrees or one C. A noteworthy thing of the uh, piece of this, and a thing I kind of wanted to talk about because I feel like this has some anecdotal properties to it. Um, they pitch 10, barrel, 10 barrels worth of yeast for a seven barrel batch. And why overpitch? So that is a really good question, uh, and I believe we've covered it in uh, at least the yeast book and maybe Janish as well. Um, so it's very hard to overpitch, yep. like unintentionally. So if you're intentionally overpitching, you're trying to do something, um, and that's like you're. If you have too much yeast, you're gonna get a yeasty character in the finished mm -hmm. beer. Yep. You're gonna get like that that bready, like I, I. Well, what else is gonna happen? We're gonna get 
in most definitely we're going to get a, a much more vigorous fermentation mm-hmm. guaranteed, especially since in these types of beers that we're talking about today, we're putting in some type of sugar, which I mean, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. We could get into what types of sugar candy, et cetera, et cetera. But yeast are lazy. They're going to well, go for the, the single chain sugars. I, I also think like if we're talking about the single chain sugars. Why do we need to use candy sugar versus... Something else. We like don't. If we're, if we're talking about we sucrose, you're, here you're, comes the rabbit hole. Here's the rabbit hole. Here's here's the anecdote. Like sucrose is sucrose, right? Let let's start start back. You know why pitch ten barrels on a seven barrel? I don't think there's a good reason to other than there's a more vigorous fermentation. I really don't think that there's any difference in in you a, can't, so a ten or a seven. If, if you're if you're pitching for a ten. Or uh, in if you're pitching for a ten into a seven, mm-hmm. you will never under pitch. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the key. And so if you are screwing around with temperature getting higher, temperature getting lower, you're putting these yeast through the the, the paces. You know that might be another reason, but I just don't think there's any flavor difference personally. How, how long before they dropped it down? I I I, I read this, but I don't remember. Um, they do the temperature reduction. Uh, they don't say specifically. Yeah, okay. But what do you think? A couple days? Well, see, that's what got me thinking because two, two out of the three days were at 70 and then we rolled a 62 and slow it down. Is that's, that why the overpitch then? I was, I was kind of doing a devil at devil's advocate in my head of if you're overpitching, but then timing the drop sooner. You only have a given amount of sugar to be eaten, but now you have more yeast competing to eat it. So instead of those yeasts living out their full life cycle and getting dormant and settling, that sugar is hedonistic yeast. Well, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, all, the yeast are all competing, but they're, they're not. They're just doing what they do. And, and this isn't typically a very flocculently yeast I, uh, to begin with. Like no. they don't flock; it stays up. Well, so, look how much cloudy, cloudier our beer is now that we poured the dregs in versus which gets down to. True. You know, all things being equal with an American strain, yeah, it's going to drop out. You're going to clean it. You'll filter it or not, but you'll get most of it out. But with this, it's a bit of a different monster. So I was curious of when they did that temperature drop, because if it was what relatively early, then I think it's a very specific effort to keep a lot of that yeast in the finished product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this isn't as if it was a step crash or anything like kind of like the next couple of recipes that we would talk about potentially here. With drinking this and uh, what you're reading, I'd I'd say it's very on track and it's a gorgeous beer. Absolutely. Um, And extremely drinkable. Yeast character in this type of beer is very, very much okay and on point. Desirable. The clove mm-hmm. came Absolutely. through. It, yeah. yeah. There often are instructions, too, on some of these bottles where it says, you know, decant up until this much, swirl, 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 roll it in your hand. Like your vice beer, the reason why that glass is engineered the way it is is so that you can invert the bottle in the actual glass, you know, and, and get roll all that yeast down in there. It's very desirable in, in a few of diff- uh, these different types of styles, so we're, especially Weiss beer. We're running a little long on time here. Okay. Um, and there, there's a couple of things I want to hit, and I just right, want to make sure, we're, make sure we have time to do it. Um, the first thing, uh, I would love to talk about Russian River for just a second, uh, mostly because there's an adorable picture of baby Vinny in this book. Like... Uh, <laughs> I mean, we all love him, but enough people have talked about Vinny. Oh, no, no, no. We're not not going to talk about, like, Vinny uh, beyond the fact that Russian River really changed how, I I honestly believe, really changed how sours were viewed in the craft beer scene. 
I oh god, was he like he's like twenty in this picture? Yeah, he's, in fact, I may, we probably mentioned this on this show or others, but the first sour beer I ever had was uh, one at uh, was American like Sky a, with Brian, like a damnation or sacrification. Sacrification. Or? Yeah, what did Jim yep. Jim brought Jim, those? Jim brought back, and it was when we were hanging out at American Sky. Yeah. So, Six, seven years uh, ago. So, yeah, yeah I got a, a lot of my sour experimentation is due to that experience with the Vinnie beer. Yeah. Uh, and it's like they're, they're amazing sour Belgian beers, like Bel- or I said, Belgian style beers. Um, and he did a lot to change the landscape in America. But what I, what I really want to talk about, and because we only have a few minutes left, I want to know your guys' thoughts. Um, to you, what makes uh, American Belgian style beer unique versus just straight Belgian style. My knee jerk, or, I mean be- Belgian beer. Like my knee what, jerk what, is what sets to it apart? immediately. It's going to be more hoppy, especially from this book's era. You know, you, you got Victory Gold Monkey. You have anything Avery. We've got you know all this these beers that we were in. We talked about this earlier off mic, but you know we were talking about the IBU race and that. And so naturally, all these beers were probably higher IBU. The fact that there's now a Belgian IPA style that exists is oh, that's one hundred percent. But that's kind of yeah. an answer to your question in and of yeah. itself. The other thing is coming a little later into it. Uh, anytime I hear American Belgian, I think Double. Maybe that's my own experience. It is the one of the more common styles, that but you it's see. for whatever reason around the, the Upper Midwest. I, I can't say the rest a, of America, but car, caramel malt, caramel malt, C sixty and IPA West sweeter Coast style, sweeter flavors, sweeter. Um, you see a lot of places doing a, a phenomenal job with it, but it seems to be when people think Belgian, it's one of the ones a lot of breweries kind of trend to because whether it's sales or whatever, they're, they're more comfortable doing it. Um, Red Eye uh, in um, uh, I think Blank of the Town does a phenomenal double, one of the best I've ever had. I'm blanking the name of the town, but Wisconsin, probably a W name. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, um, it's just Waukesha. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just Waukesha. <laughs> but but uh, Dubel comes to mind as a style. But yeah, uh, agreeing with Brian, a little more hoppy, a little more sweet. Kind of the things that a lot of these breweries were fighting against in bringing the style here has become a little bastardized. And they added some hops, added a little sugar, but they're still doing a passable Belgian beer with a little more sweetness and a little more hops. So then the question is, is, so if we're, if we're saying Belgian style, is it, um, a brewing process or is it a style? Like, so if you're saying, well, it's a Belgian style, but with more sweetness and hops, like, is it recipe dependent or is it just the style that you're, of the process in which you're using to brew the beer? Well, in the context of the registration, neither because it well, yeah, but, neither but, or well, or or possibly or both. both. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 but, no, from, but from a brewing but, standpoint, like what's what like what's the defining there? Yeast, definitely yeast. I, I mean, if, I think when when you think many styles, you think German, you think malt forward, you think American hop forward, Belgian, it's yeast, yeast forward. forward. Mm-hmm. I, I I I hate to like. You know, boil it down to something that simple, but I really think that's I mean, that's the big literally difference. what I asked you to do. So. Okay, well, well then, <laughs> and then if, what did what did I say? Like, I read one recipe, and there were two malts in it: pills, yep. carrot pills. Yeah. Other other things you would or could put in there are what wheat, unmalted wheat. Well, and what, what, what else are you adding was besides it, like a C sixty or something? What uh, what 
what Trappist Brewery were we talking about a few weeks ago where they use seven different Pilsner malts? It's, nobody like, can, nobody can it's, differentiate. No one, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, That's so it's stupid. Pilsner malt, but like it's seven different ones. No, that doesn't Fine, fine try and, it, and, and really the majority care. of people who drink that beer aren't going to, it's going to be lost yeah. on them. But look so at, all look, that trouble is for nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyone who's brewed more than three beers can look at these recipes and see clearly where the focus is. The mm-hmm. fact that we had an earlier conversation about when was the temperature drop, what was, how do they cycle it, the fact that they're even cycling the temperature that much. Their concern is all about the yeast. What so, other style, styles do you see people cycling temp? Besides lager. No, which is, you know, and I, I know there's been some of this done, but this is not coming to me right now. Well, I mean, Using, dishwater IPAs, we're doing a lot of temp cycling to uh, Well, yeah. <laughs> it took me a second. I was like, oh, yeah. But they don't have the flavor. So that's that's the no. difference. I mean, the Belgian strains give you a little bit of the flavor. They're very they've been, phenolic. They've been developed over the centuries, but that focus on making sure the yeast remains in suspension and in the finished product and adds the characteristic they want and kind of better term but milking the yeast like mm-hmm. so much of the recipes designed around how do you extract that flavor from the yeast yep. which is why they do pilsner not because it was available it, it actually wasn't the easiest malt they could get but because it's going to be clean and let you get that yeast flavor it's going to let the yeast shine yeah it's all about the yeast yeah, yeah and floor malted yeast gives you or yeast floor <laughs> floor malted malt uh, pilsner malt gives you a good bread quality, i do love so. some good floor malted yeast though it's pretty great uh, it was, well whatever <laughs> like is it is it this book or what book is it that they talk about one monastery taking a shovel and shoveling yeast into like a something and then driving it to yeah. the other yeah it's I'm, almost yeah. certainly it's this book yeah all right can you uh, imagine that shoveling yeast with a shovel <laughs> like <laughs> uh, yeah so sanitize it first. I, I think I think we've we've kind of hit on a very good base for American or American Belgian beer. Uh, we're gonna get into more brewing stuff in the next uh, section or two. Uh, we're gonna talk about brewing specifics and how to brew these styles of beer as well. Um, but hopefully that gives you a good overview. Um, we have one listener mail, so we're going to hit that real quick. Uh, this came in from uh, Tim. He said, at which point in the boil uh, do I add turbinado sugar while making the tropical stout? And I think we can elaborate on this a little bit. When do you add sugar to your beer? So if you're adding a simple sugar, like adding a simple, not, not talking about mash, pulling that sugars, like being very specific here. We're adding sugar into the beer. When should we add it? As late as possible. But, but I mean, that could be, should we add it cold side? No. No, I mean, you should, at if, least if when it's over 180 degrees. So sanitizing property yeah. to it because you what what is turbinado sugar? It's a natural brown sugar. It's mm-hmm. like, it's it retains some of the molasses and it's, we've we've talked about turbinado sugar a bunch of times and it adds subtle caramel flavor. So, so I would we'll uh, also dry the beer out, obviously. Yeah. You know, you'll see a lot of things that say the last 10 minutes. I would do the last, when I was home brewing, the last two, three minutes, just enough so you still had some turbulence to mix it in. And well, sanitizer. and so that's that's very important. So I responded with the last five to ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and then you want to make sure you add it slowly, and you're agitating the wort the entire time so it doesn't go down to the bottom of the sink down to the bottom of the kettle and just caramelize on the bottom. Caramelize or char, and then if you are a believer in hot side aeration, creating a nucleation point by jamming a bunch of sugar in at late boil is not the best idea. But we don't believe I don't believe in hot side aeration, so. 
I mean, because well, I mean, boi- boiling literally drives oxygen out. So if you add it during the boil, like you're just driving that oxygen away. Yep. There's no danger in any mm-hmm. any sugar busted. I ever did. I would uh, do the last literally five minute mark, and then I'd stir it for a minute, and I that's all I ever did for sugar. Yeah, I yeah. My my biggest thing is I always make sure it doesn't come in contact with the bottom of the kettle. Yep, that too. Um, cool. Because I well, and that's something I took from uh, when I started extract brewing. I took that from not wanting to clean the kettle. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, now that, that you mentioned that, <laughs> I never had to clean the kettle because, like, when I was extract, they were like, just never let it hit the bottom of the kettle. So I never did. <laughs> <laughs> Who wh- did you say the listener name? Uh, yeah, Tim. Tim, thank you. We love we love the listener mail. We appreciate it. We do. All right. Uh, well, I think with that, we're probably going to get out of here. So if you guys have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerstudios. Follow us on Twitter at Ninja, Or find us on Instagram at Studios. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>